If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Addicted to Success. I'm your host, Joel Brown. I'm here today with Jason Mark Campbell. Jason and I go way, way back, back in uh, the Mind Valley days from, well, probably about eight, nine years ago, man. It was a long time ago when we first met. And I've seen you grow in massive leaps and bounds. You've been a massive man of service uh, with such a big heart, with so much confidence, man, with such a great, powerful growth mindset in the way that you approach life. And I'm so pumped, dude, because your book is coming out soon, Selling with Love. It's called Earn with Integrity and Expand Your Impact. That's the subtitle there. And I'm super excited for the world to get their hands on how to sell with love because you know what? There's a lot of people out there, snake oil salesmen, and a lot of people using manipulative marketing tactics. And I know that you are a man of integrity. So I'm excited to learn some tips and tricks today. And if you're listening, get your pad and your pen and get ready to take note. Jason, thank you for being here, bro. Thanks for the lovely introduction. And uh, yeah, man, you hit the nail on the head. There's a there's an era of sales that needs to end, which is that I use a more formal word. I call it the douchey salespeople in marketing. They're, I don't want this marketplace to exist. It's actually what's behind everything I do. So I'm hoping to be able to show the tools that are very effective for ethical businesses to be able to succeed. Uh, and this is what I'm all about. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, beautiful, brother. If you were to just flip open the book, if you were only allowed to take two principles, and that was part of your legacy that you handed down to future generations, what would those two principles be when it comes to selling with love? You're kind of right to the core. No pressure. <laughs> no. Answer won't be perfect, but I think it'll be helpful. And I think that already is one of the principles, which is when it comes to sales, mm. There's only one thing you do. And I'm inspired a bit by Don Miguel Luis, who wrote The Four Agreements. Uh, the last love of selling is love yourself. And when you love yourself, it's actually, at the end of it, the biggest thing that holds you back in sales is this fear of rejection, this fear of not being good enough, um, the confrontation and the rejection that happens in every sales interaction. The self-love becomes such a critical piece. And so... One of the inspirations I get from the four agreements is one of the agreements being you always do your best regardless of the situation. And so in sales, we often, or even in business, you know, we try to do the perfect solution for the perfect client that we fully understand and not take any risk. I think when you realize that every time you show up, you are showing up as your best every day after that is an improvement on the today, but the today is always the best. And so there doesn't need to be a feeling of inadequacy in how we show up and how we sell. 
as long as you're just recognizing that you're already showing up as your best, you start being liberated from any guilt, shame, or negative emotions that are actually just mentally holding you back from going out there and presenting what you have to offer that's truly in the service of others. And yeah. I've never framed it that way, but when you ask this question, I think this would be one of the two. Lucky we're recording, bro. <laughs> that's good. Good, good, good. No, I love that. That's awesome. And what do you do to be at your best? Because there are people listening right now, I'm sure, that maybe they're a coach uh, maybe they have a product they've developed, uh, some sort of a brand where they have a service behind it and it comes time to do the launch or it, come time, it comes time to do whatever, the masterclass, some sort of promo. And they're like, oh no, now I need to sell. And you know, I know personally, like, look, I'm pretty good at sales. And I've definitely had days where I felt like a fraud, even though I know that I've, I've got the you know, testimonials to back it up and you know, all these things, it's like the childhood stuff that can pop up sometimes. It's the comparison to others. But how do we get into a good state, man, when it comes to selling with love and, and getting out of our own way? What, what are some things we can do? Yeah. Well, one thing I'd want to say is, you know, I've had those events, those seminar times or webinars that I'd be running. And the pitch that I do is not at its greatest, right? Because you're doing obviously a comparison. But again, the principle itself is saying like, it's, it's not as it's best compared to what there's nothing else to compare than yourself. And that's kind of the first thing I really want to ground in is like, whatever we're judging ourselves to not be as good as is usually not from ourself. Now, mind you, you're right. There's times that you can feel like you're at your best, but there's times that guess what rest is what you need to be at your best. You know, if you're having that mental chatter, you're having kind of a down days, you're not perfect all the time. So this kind of takes you off the hook from understanding that you're always supposed to be at peak performance, mentally and emotionally stable at all times. It just doesn't happen. So recognizing that we have ups and downs, but every time we show up, whatever we have at that time, we can just bring what we have there and that is enough. But let's say we're trying to optimize and maybe make those things a little better. Listen, you have all these morning routines and I know I'd be just another preacher telling you like, hey, you know, go to bed early, journal, uh, do meditation. There's so many practices that those who are dedicated to success are very well aware of. And these are all these self-care practices. And I think the more you start paying attention to those, if you're already into personal growth, you're on a right path. You know some of the things that you want to test in your life and evaluate how it makes you feel. So if you want to get onto a webinar and you're about to go and sell, but just before starting, maybe you're nervous, you know, there's exercises you can do, whether it's using your body and getting yourself into a state where I just, you know, putting your hands up, maybe, you know, doing the Tony Robbins, jumping on a trampoline, like there's so many little things. These are all tactics that you can implement, but they become available to you if you're not paralyzed by this comparison that, hey, these others are doing better, because guess what? What will make you better is when you show up with knowing that you're doing your best and every single time you do it is an improvement. Joel, you're a great salesman simply because I know from knowing you that at a young age, I think you were put into a scenario where you had to do many sales at a rapid pace, quick cycles. If I'm not mistaken, you did some inside yeah. sales, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I work for a telecommunications company selling you know, fiber optic internet connection deals and VoIP phone deals. And uh, they got me on the cold list, bro. So I was smashing out you know, 50 to 60 calls. I developed rhino skin. You know? <laughs> I got and, and so that, many rejections. It, and that's, like, that's a part of the, call it the game. And this is what I think is beautiful about sales is it's such a tool for accelerated personal growth because you can have such a rapid 
iteration with so many people, especially in a scenario where you're forced to sell to cold leads, the rejection comes. And then you start realizing that you don't need to take anything personally. And I think that's quite liberating. And in sales, it gives you that most exposure and it builds that tough skin that I think in life, most of us have been a bit fragile. And when you see a salesperson has went through these rejections, realize that, hey, it's not even a personal thing to take on. You're still alive. You're not getting hurt physically. And so you can move on, try again and improve every time. Dude, do you remember your first sale? Give us a little bit of like a, in a nutshell, where you were around that time and, and what got you into this product or service you've offered. And then like that feeling of the first sale and what happened? How did you get that first sale? In? There's a story of the first real sale. And I don't know if it's the first sale, but it's the one that it has an emotional attachment with me. Mm-hmm. And most people have had a first sale experience. Usually have had a negative sales experience and it's usually secondhand or being on the buyer side, not the seller side. And I often think of people have this association with a used car salesman being their first interaction with a salesperson. And it often leaves a negative experience. Mind you, if you're dealing with a used car salesman, that might not be the most qualified salesperson. So to build a caricature, an expectation of all sales are like that might not be the most empowering thing to have. But you'll laugh at this one, Joel. So my first sales experience was in high school. We were doing a charity drive selling chocolate covered almonds. They were called the world's finest chocolate. I'm pretty sure they were lying, but it was a great brand. It was still a pretty good chocolate. I think I'd rate it as a pretty good world's chocolate, right? And I had to go to my neighbors and I would knock at the door and I'd be like, hi, um, I, I'm your neighbor and I have these chocolate covered almonds. I'm selling for $2 Canadian. So call it a buck 50 American uh, Australian. I think we're about the same. So call it two bucks. And so the people would be like, oh, that sounds great. Chocolate. And it's a good cause. It's supporting a charity. So they give me the toonie, which is what we call $2 coins in Canada. They'd give me a toonie. I'd give them some chocolate. I was like, wow, these people are happy that I came over. So I'd go to the other neighbor. And I did this a couple of times until I went to the fifth house. And this lady, when I opened the door, I'm like, hey, would you guys like to buy some chocolates for a charity? It's $2. She said, let me call my daughter to see if she wants some. And the daughter comes down the stairs and she's about my age she's beautiful. And I didn't know she was my neighbor. And so we exchanged number and that became one of my first girlfriends. So <laughs> it's no choice, no coincidence. Close the deal. My whole <laughs> ethos was selling with love because I kind of fell in love right while I was doing my first sales. Right. Um, so I, I'm glad you asked that question because it was uh, it was a pretty interesting story. And then from there, I always looked at sales as a great thing. You anchored it in, bro. <laughs> Good experience. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's the thing, right? Like, cause I know, you know, I work with people often that uh, procrastinate. And so I created this whole procrastination system. And one of the types of procrastinators, I call them the dreadhead. You know, they are very much about doom and dread and like, oh, no, you know, it's it, it, it's the end of the world. And they tend to let a lot of anxiety run the show. And one of the big pinches that I find is they live in this world of what if like worst case scenario, what if this doesn't happen? What if I don't get the sale? What if they reject me? What if I'm not good enough? Uh, What advice would you give to somebody that may be identifying as a dreadhead? Yeah, well, this kind of touches into also the second part of your first question, which was the second big thing, you know, that I'd want to advise people if I had to distill it. And it's this understanding of responsibility in every sale. 
And again, this goes beyond the sale, but like in my model, I speak about the four major emotions that happen in a sales transaction. And if I take a zoom out here, I'll just explain sales in a very different way that I explain in my book, which is selling is nothing more than an energy exchange between conscious beings. And so when you know what you offer is so much more than what you ask in return, that is the expression of selling with love. Because in an energy exchange, emotion is always going to be part of the equation. And so whenever somebody's having that dread, is hesitating, is not wanting to go and make those sales, it's usually because they're coming at an emotion that might be lower uh, than the energy of love. So more than likely, you're coming across what I call the first bracket, which is the shame and guilt blockages. So when you're operating from shame and guilt blockages, this often comes with those negative associations that I mentioned earlier. You think that you know, sales is like that used car salesman. If that's been one of your first interactions, that's what you identify as being a salesperson and is not necessarily a good experience that you associate with it. Or it might even be something like the Wolf of Wall Street. Now, fine, entertaining movie. We enjoyed it. But at the core of it, you're talking about some manipulative salespeople taking advantage of people. And if you're someone of integrity, you wouldn't want to associate with that. So you might feel that dread, that shame, that procrastination because you going to make that sale means you need to step into that identity. And when you step into that identity, then it would be using so much of your energy just to fight your natural tendencies to not want to be that identity. So I often suggest for people who are at that level is to understand that there's things to reframe when it comes to seeing what sales is. Sales is not what they portray in the exciting sales movie. The greatest salespeople are not exciting movies. They're attentive listeners, they're trying to understand the buyer's needs, and they're presenting solutions to their problems. They just don't make exciting Hollywood movies, but they're actually able to do it in a powerful way. And remember this, the most amazing people you know, the famous people that you would look up to, well, guess what? They're also salespeople. So whenever you wanna get into a sales scenario, how can you channel your inner Joel Brown? How can you channel your inner Elon Musk or whether it's uh, Oprah or Ariana Huffington? Like whoever are the idols that you have, acknowledge and recognize that these are all amazing salespeople and they do it in their own style. And so if you're feeling that, oh, I need to sell, it's that necessary evil, is probably because you feel like you need to step in that negative identity. So instead, realize that your idols are the best salespeople and you can mimic them and mirror them instead so you can feel inspired when you go to sell. And here's one of the kind of premises I introduce in my book. It's not just your favorite idols. We're all salespeople, each and every one of them. I mean, if I define it as an energy exchange between conscious beings, an energy exchange happens in business. An energy exchange happens when you want to get a job. Sales happen when you want to get into a relationship. Sales happen when you don't want to get up in the, from the bed. You want to hit that snooze button. There's a part of you that's always selling to a lower side of you. And that higher self is telling you, you told yourself you wouldn't hit snooze. Yeah, you're, you're, you're maybe that lazy side of you is like, oh, but I'm comfortable. But you acknowledge that to serve your higher good, you're selling yourself to your highest best. And so sales is everywhere. And so you don't need to put it into a box of shadow just because you've identified it negatively. And the final piece I'd add on this, Joel, is just we've also had, again, you talked about our childhood baggage that might come with it. There's a common event that happens in our childhood when we start asking too much because children I often ask the question, are they a great salespeople? People are like, well, they're shameless. Like they'll be relentless in asking, 
But children are terrible salespeople because they don't care about the buyer. They didn't study the parents understanding what is the benefits they're looking for the decision they want them to make. They're just extremely selfish and selfless little humans that keep asking until, you know, an exhausted parent at some point could say, hey, no means no. Stop asking. And I don't think it's by chance that we're seeing the majority of sales professionals like pro full-time salespeople have such a difficulty with following up because again, there's a part of you that needs to heal. And those are some of the works that you can start putting attention to. And again, if you're a consumer of personal growth, you might be aware of this, but that's where the work gets done. Man, so many bombs are dropped. It's like napalm season right now. <laughs> I love this, bro. I really love this. Yeah, so much golden advice. Hope you guys are taking notes right now. Uh, yeah, Jace, you know, I know that sales is a transference of emotion and energy. And uh, a big thing that I've learned is to be in alignment, right? Like if I'm not in alignment with what it is that I'm offering, man, it's a tough gig. And I think that people often get distracted by looking at what somebody's doing, going, oh, I can make a bunch of money with that. But the, the virtue or the mission stops there. It's like, get the money. But then it's like, well, what do we do with that? And so I often say to people, could you imagine yourself selling this very thing for the next five to 10 years? If you know, if it feels like, oh, I don't know about that, don't do it. Because you're only doing it for the short term, not actually the long term. And it's tough for some people to hear that, man. It's like, it kind of in a way feels like their dreams are squashed, but it's not. It's just a course correct. Because I know the difference between selling something that I did because there's a good money opportunity, or maybe some people were saying I should do it, but ultimately I wasn't in alignment with it. Like if I was being really real with myself, I could kind of do it, but I wasn't in love with it, right? So yeah, and, and that discipline that you were saying before is so true. When you show up, I tell my, my clients, just waking up and making a bed in the morning. It sounds like such a simple thing, but when I walk out of the room and I know that I've done something like that, I'm like, I'm a man of my word. And then it starts leaking in other areas of your life too. And so, yeah, we get, we get to stay disciplined with it. Uh, when you are selling, if we were to think just beyond actually offering the service to someone is there anything else that goes on in your mind beforehand or while you're immersing yourself in the vision are you thinking bigger vision are you thinking what you would invest your money in once it comes through because i believe we're currency conductors we're vessels comes to us and then we move it somewhere else or we hoard it <laughs> probably not the best idea but you know some people do that they just want to be a millionaire so they keep saving and saving yeah i'm a millionaire so, okay cool what are you gonna do with it but what are your thoughts, man? I want to climb into the mind of, of Jason Mark Campbell, man, the guy that wrote the book Selling with Love. Like, let's do it, bro. Well, I'll tell you the only good thing with the possible inflation that's coming around the world is we'll all be millionaires soon, but it won't buy us much. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So true. But, but, I mean, everybody wanted the wish to be a millionaire. The government said, no problem. We're going to print a ton of money and then you'll see. Yeah, everyone's going to be a let's, multi I, I digress. What, what I will say is um, actually within the model of selling with love, right? Um, the product or the process you know, of selling only is one of the further down the line things you consider. There's actually some foundational things that I recommend people to do. Um, and the first, the very first love that you wanna fall in love with is actually love the impact. And you, you're hitting the nail on the head because you've experienced what happens when maybe you're not aligned with the impact is how do you start really caring about what happens to the buyer the moment a sale is made. 
I mean, Joel, just like you, I've been in a position where I've sold some things. Like in the moment, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I felt pretty confident, but I had to take a step back from like what I've been told by my sales managers and the CEO. And I went like, wow, is this really doing the impact? But there was a problem. I didn't want to know the answer because I felt good in the moment, right? So I talk about shame, guilt, blockages. What I was hearing you refer to is something I've been in, uh, you know, in my early 20s, particularly, I've been very often at this point, which I call the fear pride paradox, right? Ooh. This is when you learn, you learn a sales process and you get good at it, but you're not taking responsibility for the impact that happens for every sale you make. But it feels good because you're moving that money, the velocity is happening. But what I found very interesting when I sell from this place is there's a strong correlation with mental health issues. And that usually manifests in addiction issues. You can see, you know, people drawing themselves towards being drinking more. Maybe it's gambling, maybe it's sexual, maybe it's drugs. But you're seeing top salespeople that are in positions where they just follow the process and not care or take responsibility for the sales. You can be an effective mover of energy, but there's a cost to it. And that cost is something you probably don't want to face right away. You'll pay for it later, but at the moment you'll try to numb it. And that is a big thing that most salespeople, especially if you're a listener here and you're a money hungry person and you're like, wow, I just want to go make that money. And again, maybe you're somebody who's saving it. Maybe you're someone who's investing it, but the way that you get that money actually has an impact on how you feel about that money. And so you're seeing people that are accumulating that money in a way that didn't have an impact or responsibility for the movement. And you're seeing it leave in a different, in a very similar way. It's almost like it's, it's, it's got a load to it, an energetic load. And so this is why I want people to actually consider that there is a better way of selling. And that's when you sell from a place of love. And the first thing you do to do that is start getting a bit more knowledge about the impact you care about. And I just talked about one of the impacts. There's a bit more I would elaborate on, which really starts not only getting yourself clear on how to sell and why you're selling, but it actually becomes really potent marketing material for you as well, which is once you've gotten a clear idea of what happens to the buyer, I'll give an example. If I was selling, let's say, uh, sales services consulting to you, Joel, just using it or, or a listener to this show, and I know when I get to take an ethical company and start teaching them sales models, they get to grow their revenue. They get to hire more people because now they have higher profit margin. They get to grow their company and offer their services that has a positive impact in the world, which actually starts expanding, expanding. And I start getting really clear at a granular level and at a derivative level, as in what is the byproduct of everything that gets ripple effects from the sale I've made. And I even take it to a world level, like in my case, I know that for every time that I sell my selling with love services to unethical businesses, I'm radically shaping the businesses that are succeeding in the world today. I'm making the ethical businesses stand out with the right tools where it's actually giving better choices to everyone for better products that truly deliver on the value that they promise. That's no small feat. And when I add this to my marketing material, people start understanding that's why he sells. That's why he pushes sometimes because he cares about that mission. And then, of course, the other impact that I make sure people do not forget, and I feel like the addicted to success audience might have this one down, but I'm going to repeat it anyways, which is what are the reasons and impact for yourself? Don't be a martyr. You want to make money, and that's a good thing. Like, imagine you're making a ton of money pushing a product that actually makes the impact of the buyers into the world. You can be remunerated and you become an inspiration for everyone else that you don't need to go sell dodgy products to make a buck. You can actually be working in an ethical businesses and make a buck. And now you're an example for others to shift themselves into doing disaligned, 
fear pride paradox level sales to understanding that the potential of selling with love exists and you're living it solid man solid i'm taking note right now this is amazing uh you know one of the practices that i really get into with my clients is i, I challenge them to put a dollar value on their vision like every category in every aspect like it's like okay you want this five years from now right let's let's sum it up like what would it look like even if it's ballpark figures and very quickly they actually start to realize oh the products i'm selling right now in my business i don't feel icky feeling i'm being greedy if i make 50k a year like some people that's like wow that's like my bar right because everyone has like their thermometer their financial thermometer that uh, john srf and, and tiago could talk about and so we look at this and go well if you knew when you sat down with it that your vision is going to require for you to actually make 500k you'd probably let go of that story and make some room in your thermometer to heat up <laughs> right and uh, I, I see a huge difference, bro. I really do, because people realize how much they get to raise their standards and come out of their stories. And if we simplify it, I believe that whoever stays in their lane the longest wins. If you've got a clear vision, stick to it, right? And, and no, all right, I'm doing this because it not only impacts the lives of others, but it contributes to the growth of the vision, which in turn creates a ripple effect to impact even more lives on the back end. If you can create a vision that's contribution-based, impact-based, allows to increase your time with friends and family and followers, and you get to do all these cool things, you'll start to get out of your own way of these, these limiting stories around money. That's for sure. 100%. Yeah. Man, I would love to know, because you've written your book pretty recently. Was there any challenges with writing the book? And what would your advice be to somebody that wants to write a book like you? Yeah. Well, we're talking about money a lot here. And we're talking about thermometers and temperatures and, you know, what is that vision, uh, the, the value of that vision and how much it costs. I, I remember the introduction for me to consider writing a book was actually based on this vision and understanding that this is something I want to bring to the world. Like the big contribution for me, I mentioned it a little early in the call, which was I went through an experience myself, you know, um, it was in my early twenties and I, I ended up, you know, buying a mentorship for real estate investment seminars. And, uh, they promised me the world and took me by the hand and said they were going to fund everything and put me in a studio and, they made me record how amazing the experience was. And the moment those recorded were done, uh, the person supposed to fund the deals disappeared. They ran my infomercials with my face promoting the product and everything I was taught was kind of wrong. So I had to grow from that. And did I grow? Yes. Do I wish it on someone else? Absolutely not. And it kind of fueled a bit of the vision as to why I'm doing what I'm doing, which is I don't want manipulative salespeople and marketers to take advantage of people if they don't need to. That was unnecessary, right? And so... To do that, I realized I had a big vision and I want to bring this message to the world. A mutual friend of ours, Colton and Gavin, came to visit me while I was in Miami. And we started talking about a concept. This is one from uh, Gary Keller, founder of Keller Williams, wrote a book called The One Thing. And when, when we started talking about what's the one thing to really put your foot, or sorry, your stick in the ground about what you stand for, or really truly picking that lane, as you've mentioned, is to commit to writing a book. And when that was shared to me, then it became intimidating, but it became exciting. And I decided to invest, right? It was important to me. And so the concept of writing a book 
you know, we were speaking about money is that I found some experts that I could listen to be held by the hand and really taking me through the process of writing that book. I work with the guys at Scribe, uh, Scribe Media, great company, went through a guided author program, paid, you know, uh, five figures uh, to get them to guide me through the book. And what I found very interesting about this is I found out everything that they teach is available for free. You can actually watch what they teach online for free. And then I shared this with some people. They're like, wow, you must feel like you got ripped off. I'm like, no, because the energy that I put into something I cared for came back in dividends. And that dividends is I'm going to be holding my book in my hands in a few weeks now. And this has been a two-year process. I invested into it. And so I would share with people the fact that if you're about to write a book, know that it is a big one thing. And I would invest into something you care so much about because it becomes different when it's an investment. And one of the greatest things that we did as an exercise, because, you know, here I'm thinking we're going through a a workshop, learn how to write a book. No, the workshop is primarily about recognizing the fears that were holding me back and the stories that were holding me back from writing that book and solving those fears using Tim Ferriss's fear solving method, which is a TEDx talk that's fascinating to listen to. And so I started writing all those fears. I was like, people will think my book sucks. No one will buy it. And like all these things that were coming up as stories. And one by one, I was writing them. I was like, how likely is that to happen? Are there things I can do to mitigate the, these issues? And it was really easy to find. I was like, oh, I don't want my book to suck. How can I mitigate this? Well, I got a, an editor. An editor was going to guide me through it and make sure that the book was good. Cool. Then, you know, nobody's going to buy my book. Well, what could I do? Well, start promoting sales and marketing. I know some of this and I could actually hire PR firms that can help with that. All right. So you start solving these fears because all of that mental clutter around the the book, thinking like this is impossible. When you start actually writing down the things that are holding you back, you realize it's probably around six things and then you can solve them one at a time. And now it's the one thing. This is my lane selling with love. My podcast is selling with love. The book is selling with love. And the marketplace that I want to create where I'm going to put all the ethical businesses that I recognize are going to truly deliver value are going to be on the selling with love marketplace. And that is my lane that I'm sticking into. Love it, dude. Yeah, the world needs more love, man. So you're on the money. This is great. This is this is exactly what we need. And uh, to do it in a way that feels aligned right authentic people want that man they, they, there's so much fake stuff out there there's so much noise we see it bro people want real you know so beautiful man i, I respect that a lot uh let's say someone is about to step into a sales campaign let's say they're ready to you know sell their products services and if they had a post-it note and they could write down three things to keep in mind they're going to stick it in their office right there and they're in their office a lot doing sales calls what are the three boom, 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 bullet points that they can just keep as their frames or just to know as they immerse themselves for the next month or the next two months in their sales process. I'm going to skip the impact part because I talked about it again, but I'm going to give three nuggets that people can use right now. One of them is about the second love of selling, which is love the buyer. And I would put the sub headline on a sticky note, which is loving the buyer equals understanding the buyer. So whenever you're doing your marketing, How much do you understand the buyer? How can you get in touch with them? How can you listen to them? Because the more you understand them, the more effective you're going to be. The third love in selling is actually love the product. And the sub headline there is actually something I'd put on a post-it, which is remember, don't fake it, make it. Make it awesome. Your product that you're about to sell, make it. You don't need to fake. 
What are the features and benefits that are truly going to help the buyers because you've taken the time to understand them? So you can make it awesome. Put that little extra effort and make it great. And the third one, which is actually going to be most relevant for those who might have resistance in sales, which is the the fourth love in selling, which is love the process of selling. And the sub-headline there, or the little post-it I would write is, remember, sales tactics equals empathy, not manipulation. See, some people think that using certain sales tactics can be manipulative. No, you're learning the language that is necessary for people to understand the true value you're trying to give to them. So use your tactics. Be ethical with them. I always use the rabbit out of the hat litmus test, which is imagine being a magician and you're showing how a rabbit disappears in a hat. And then you have to tell everybody, guess how I did this? People are like, how, how? And you're like, well, I murdered the rabbit and I pulled out a new one. People are like, huh? killed the rabbit you evil person <laughs> well in sales imagine every tactic you use you would reveal it to your buyer after how would they feel and if they can go wow thank you for doing that because i've bought the product and it changed my life mm. keep doing it yeah yeah Whew. love this love this love this yes write it down rewind this pause it do whatever you need to do to get this uh, note up in your space and uh, get in the zone with jason's awesome advice Jason, where can we get the book? Have you got a web address for that? Yeah, easiest thing, go to sellingwithlove.com. You'll see the podcast, the book there. There's going to be links everywhere. We're doing a big launch. And so if you just want to directly buy the book, of course, it's available on Amazon. But sellingwithlove.com, go there, check it out. You'll learn more about what I do, how you can learn from the book. And there's so much more in there. But thank you for letting me share some of these insights with your audience. I'm hoping I get to impact as many people that are listening to just do a little more sales with a little better business. I think we're shifting the world in a good way. You will, brother, and we will. I believe it. That's awesome. Uh, I'm surprised you could get the domain name sellingwithlove.com. <laughs> I paid a premium, but it was worth it. <laughs> painful to get. Yeah, it's painful to get the domain name you want. You know, sometimes some people will end up adding a whole bunch of extra words, and then it just starts getting ridiculous. And it's like, oh, I'm probably going to have to change my book or my brand name right now. It's painful. Well, good on you, bro. And uh, I was surprised right. myself, to be honest. I, I thought it was, I didn't think I was able to get it. And then I went to the shopping. I'm like, what? Someone's selling it. It was a premium, but I, you know, I knew a thing or two about selling and negotiation. So I still got a good price. <laughs> You're snatching up online real estate, man. Some people hold it like they hold real estate property, you know, <laughs> smart, but it's a painful when you want that domain name. Anyway, brother, love it. Guys, go get the book, Selling with Love. Jason, Mark Campbell, get your hands on it. Uh, Jason also has workshops. He's online. He's got awesome videos and talks on stage. He's legit. You know, he's not just popping out of nowhere. He's been around for a long time and really supporting people and impacting thousands, actually tens of thousands of people around the world. So make sure you jump in and connect with Jason. Uh, We can follow you on Instagram too. Jason Mark, Mark with a C, M-A-R-C, Campbell. Go follow Jason and uh, reach out to him. Take a picture with his book too. Send it to him. That's a, that's a good way to uh, spread the word. Um, thank you, Jason. Appreciate you, dude. We end every interview with this last question here. And this question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? The world is a beautiful place. And there's a ton of people that need help. We can always make it better. And if you can learn how to sell with love, that means actually caring about the impact and taking responsibility and leading people towards solving problems that they truly want to solve that really make their life better, then go out there and do it and be a helping person and you'll be a hero and rewarded in the process.